Good morning, Robertson Avenue. How are you this morning? Yay! So wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. We are um, enjoying this great fall weather. Happy November! Yay! Um, so we are um, still proceeding with our Operation Christmas Child Ministry Drive. Um, we are still having the theme box um, competition, so don't forget about that if you're interested in picking up a um, hard case box CBJ, and she can get that. And we, you can do a character theme, like she did Toy Story in that one. You can also do a color theme, um, an activity theme, you know, anything uh, that you feel relates, brings, ties your things together that can be entered in the competition. So don't forget about that. That runs through November 22nd. We are gearing up of our last week of collections for our packing party from the church. So we will be receiving any donations until next Sunday morning. Next Sunday morning would be your last opportunity to donate so that VJ can get everything organized for that evening at 6 o'clock. We will be having the packing party. And also keep in mind that um, we are two weeks away from National Collection Week. So um, we will be having sign-up sheets for that. We will be um, meeting greeters, hosts and carton packers, and that means that, like, say, the, the box that has the logo on it, they might be that size or bigger, but you will be packing the boxes inside that for the actual packing to go to Dallas then. Um, and if you happen to have any uh, dollies, carts, or wagons that could be used that week, we would really appreciate that donation, um, not as a keep it, but just as a borrow. Um, because we will be having a park and take. If people don't feel comfortable coming in, then we will be doing curbside drop-off and pick-up. So um, we would need those wagons to transport their um, boxes into the church. Um, and then we have the nice decorated box. Um, thank you, Miss Esther, for getting that for the Food for the Families um, donation box for your non-perishable food items. And then our turkey donation envelopes are still... Um, available if you feel led to donate that. We ha have had a few turkey donations um, that are here, so that is growing, and we're excited to be able to provide that. Um, and then we're still looking for a Sunday school class to adopt the Lottie Moon mission um, as that's kicking off, and we're trying to increase the awareness of that. So if you and your Sunday school class have discussed it, please see me, and we'll um, discuss, discuss some more details coming up on that. The youth had a great turnout for the um, fellowship um, party event last night, and that was a lot of fun. They were super excited to have that available to them. Um, and we will be moving our ministry team meeting time. Um, it usually happens at 4, but we're going to back it up to 3.30 so that the participants that are doing the cantata can leave on time to, to get to that. So that will be next Sunday at 3.30. Um, and then the cantata practice is at 4.30 every Sunday, and choir practice um, is Sunday mornings at 9. Okay. And so, um, and then on November 15th, we will be having Randy and Debbie Fair as our special guests for the morning service. So make sure to attend that. And um, at this time, I think we are set to do our video. I grew up in a coffee farm. 
I was born during a very difficult time in El Salvador. Many uh, people immigrated to the United States when I was five years old. My dad was one of them. I remember that uh, me and my two other brothers, uh, we were so sad. Especially for myself, it was hard because I was close to my dad. I didn't understand at that time why he left, but uh, I remember that uh, it affected me a lot. During the years to come, I always uh, wondered why my dad was not there, my birthdays, celebrations, events, and all that. That affected me in a way that I started to make really bad decisions. I think that was a way for me to try to get my dad's attention. When I was almost 14 years old, something really did happen one day. It was a Sunday morning. My brother, who was the pastor at that time at the church, he talked to us about how much God loves us. We prayed, we worshiped God. He handed out our boxes. I remember two things about my box. When I opened it, it was really just the smell that it was coming out of the box. The other thing that I remember is uh, a box of prayers. The most important thing for me that God allowed me to experience is how happy everyone was. I was happy, my friends were happy, and I remember that for a moment God allowed me to look around the, the room and see the joy and happiness on our faces. How cool it was that somebody that we have never met sent us a gift. Many of us dream to go to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to people. We don't have the resources to do it. This amazing box can get us there. We can pack a box, not only with material things, we can pack it with our love, with our prayers. And we're going to provide the local church around the world the tools that they need to go and spread that love and, and share the good news of Jesus Christ to the people. We all have the opportunity to pack a box, and this box will change a children's life. Lord, 
Father, we pray together. Our Father in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. As we get ready to give back some of the blessings you've given to us, I just pray, Lord, you touch our hearts. Help us to to hear from you, Lord. Your name will be glorified and magnified. I pray, Lord, you will bless us as we give and take what you've given to us. We trust you. Bless you, Lord.
morning. <laughs> if you have your Bibles with you, open your please to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 1. I love preaching more than anything in the world. Somebody once asked me, he said, Brother Josh, what makes you happy? I said, preaching the Gospel. That's what makes me happy. Now, I've done just about everything under the sun. I've worked just about everywhere you can imagine, and I've done just about everything you can do. But nothing makes me happy like preaching the gospel. And let me tell you, when you're a gospel preacher, then people will often tell you, guess what? They'll say, be quiet. They do. They'll tell you that. When they hear the gospel, they'll get upset, and they'll say, shh, I'm talking. Shh, i got something to say. You're taking us off subject. Why? Because the gospel has a way of bringing hearts back to God. Somebody say amen. Perhaps this morning, your heart has been away from God for far too long. Perhaps this morning, you're the one sitting there saying, I've been praying, I've been asking, I've been looking, I need God to do something in my life. Well, i got news for you this morning. God is still in the miracle business. And God still does wonders in our lives. Here in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, we're going to look at a wonderful passage. It's one of my favorite passages. We're going to learn something, too. Now, over the last couple of weeks, I've done a lot of Hebrew for you. So this morning, I'm going to do a little Greek for you. Is that okay? Let's do a little bit of Greek for you this morning. Some people ask me, say, Josh, I know you can do Hebrew, but can you do Greek? And the answer is, yeah. Yes, I can. And that's the only way I beat Betsy in a biblical debate nowadays. Amen? Because I can still read Greek. Now, that's subject to change next week. She learns as fast as I do. And so i got to stay on my toes around that woman. Y'all be in prayer for me. So look with me, please, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And I'd love to hear those pages turn. So turn with me there. All right. Read with me, please, verse 16. Bible says, and I quote, And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Grace for grace. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for your word. I just pray that you'd open us up to hear from you, Lord. There's nothing anybody who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. Or anybody, Father, needs to encourage edified, to get that personal revival they've been praying for. Let's direct this morning to do that more and more. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. Even now, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. If you were to look at John 1, verse 16 and 17, you're going to find one of the strangest forms in the Bible. I love it. Of this fullness, we have all received. Now, think about that for a second. We're talking about Jesus Christ. He came in the Word, became flesh. You've read all this before. That's really neat. That's really cool. But throughout uh, history, we've had this movement in the church. In fact, it's here today. And Robertson Avenue has been no uh, exception to this rule. We've had this rule or this movement where people show up and say, Hey, you've got to start doing things kind of Old Testament-like. You ever been there before? Some of us have been. Well, let me tell you, the Bible gives us some direction on that. All you got to do is read it. The Bible gives us a lot of direction on it. All you've got to do is trust God's Word. So, as we look into this, we see a mysterious phrase, grace for grace, in verse 16. Grace for grace. What does that mean? And how do we interpret that? 
Well, to be honest with you, it doesn't quite show up in the English, does it? In fact, it kind of leaves us kind of hanging a little bit, doesn't it? Grace for grace. And so, I need to set the scene for you if I can for just a minute. So go with me in your mind's eye. 4,000 years before the birth of Jesus. 4,000 years. Let's go to Mount Sinai, shall we? Let's begin there. Let's move ahead two more thousand years. Let's begin with the giving of the law. Moses goes up on the mountain. Moses receives the Ten Commandments of the law. That's what he's talking about there. He's not talking about man's law. He's talking about God's law. He receives them. It comes back down. And of course, ever since that day, mankind has been struggling with the law. In fact, we didn't even know what sin was, the Bible tells us, until the law tells us. In fact, we didn't know it was a sin, not to lust, until we read, Thou shalt not covet. Somebody say, Amen. And now all of a sudden we realize, oh my goodness, the law is here. And it's not just for the Jews, it's for everybody. In fact, the Bible tells us that every mouth may be stopped. But in the Old Testament, we see that God gave mercy, God gave grace. Grace, right? We read in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We read uh, Samson, and God's grace came upon him. We read it over and over and over again. We read uh, Moses actually crying out, God, if I found grace now in thy sight, lead me. And so we see that. Church, there's something a little bit different there. There's something we need to learn about. There's something we need to put to practice in our lives. Are you ready for this now? Buckle up your seatbelt. We're going to get moving about 100 miles an hour. Okay? Somebody told me last Sunday, said, Pastor, I have a hard time keeping up with you. And I said, I don't know what to tell you. Just listen fast. I know. Talk fast. You've got to listen fast. If I ever fail of being a preacher, I'm going to be an auctioneer. Amen? All right. You know what's funny? <laughs> That's funny. Thank you. Amen. Here's the deal. Are you ready? Have you ever tried to play basketball with football groups? doesn't quite make sense, does it? It doesn't quite work out. That's what happens when you try to start putting Old Testament rules in the New Testament. As I said, it doesn't quite work out, does it? We have problems and we have things that doesn't match together. In fact, Jesus says it like this. If you take new wine and put it in old wine skins, guess what's going to happen? Pop, right? That's what Jesus is talking about. See, there's a difference. And there's something that's happening there. And it's something we all need to learn. It's something we all need to put to work in our lives. And you might need it this morning because it's God's miracle working truth that we all need. We all forget about. We often put on the shelf and forget. See, you might be sitting there this morning and you've been coming to church because you want God to give you a favor. Before I was a Christian, that was my prayer. God, fix this for me. You might be there this morning. God, do this favor for me, and I'll never do it again. You ever been there? Go like this. That means amen. Don't say amen because people are looking, right? Perhaps you're right there right now this morning, and you're sitting there, and you've been saying, I'm here in church. I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible. God, do me a favor. That's what you think God is all about. I want to give you a spiritual truth this morning. Number one, are you ready? God is not a genie. You don't rub the lamp and get three wishes. We often think that, though. Well, I've been good. You know, when I stood as a chaplain to take part of criminal justice, that was the number one enemy I would fight with with my inmates. I would have volunteer chaplains come in, and they would tell those inmates, if you're good, if you truly believe, you have faith, then you're going to make parole. And guess what would happen? 
They didn't make parole. They were in my office screaming and crying, saying, I believed I was good. I fasted. I did everything a Christian could possibly do. And I did not make parole. The whole time I was sitting there thinking, you made your bed, now lie in it. That's right. That's right. We forget about that. We think somewhere down the line that if we get God's forgiveness, then out of a sudden everything in the world becomes okay. That's not the way it works. Never has been the way it works. So what are we talking about here in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 16? We're looking at two kinds of grace. We've got to go into the Greek to understand God. One is, let me do you a favor. The other is, I have done everything you need. So, when you were a kid, did you ever go to an Italian restaurant and you sat down and looked at the menu and the menu said, Pasta and anti-pasta. You ever done that? I did. Look at me. I'm fat. You know I did. And you ever wondered, if you ate the anti-pasta, does it cancel out the pasta, right? That might be your prayer. But it doesn't quite work that way. What exactly is anti-pasta? Well, it's usually a salad or something like that, isn't it? And you're thinking, hey, if I eat something healthy, then when I eat something bad, it's not good. Well, you really want to know the truth of losing the weight. Just do what I do. I'll break my cooking half and pour the calories out. Amen? Would you like to know the secret of life real quick? Are you ready for this? I learned this when I was in high school. Are you ready? Ladies, guys, gentlemen, everybody, listen to this. What you put in your lips goes straight to your hips, right? If you don't forget that, then you're good to go. All right. With that being said, we have something in the Greek here that bears looking at. Look with me again in verse 16. Grace for grace. And of the slowness we've all received, grace for grace. So we have an interesting Greek preposition here. We have the word for grace, karen, which we name our female karen, as karen, means grace. And we have karikos, karen, anti karikos, in that phrase. Grace for grace. Karen, anti karikos. And it means something totally See, there's grace all over the Old Testament. And we see that here in John chapter 1 and verse 16. Grace. So grace. And we know antipasto or anti means instead of. In fact, that's what that word anti means right here in Greek. It's not the traditional word we use. A lot, a lot of times when we use for, we use the, the Greek word gar, G-A-R. And it means on the other hand or instead of or in place of. This one means take the place of, literally. Be instead of anti. Anti pasta. Not because it's anti pasta, but one that takes the place of it. Instead of. So we have grace instead of grace. We have current instead of karikos. What's happening here? And what are we talking about? So let's talk about karikos first. Karikos is what you find in the Old Testament. You find it over and over and over and over again. You find it in Micah. What does your God require of you? You find it everywhere. You find it all throughout the Karikos. In fact, if you translate the Hebrew into Greek, the Septuagint, uh, we often translate it Karikos. What does that mean? Literally, it means God's favor. Literally, God's favor. It's the Old Testament form of grace. 
as you'll look throughout your Old Testament, you'll begin to understand that the Holy Spirit came upon believers at certain times. Look at Samson, one of my favorite guys in the Bible. The Spirit would come upon him at times, but it wasn't always there. It came upon him, and you expected it to come upon him. Remember when Samson sinned? And he expected the Holy Spirit to come upon him? And what happened? Well, he was weak, wasn't he? He got a haircut, and he lost all his strength, right? So, the Spirit didn't come upon him. He expected God to do him a favor. And you might be expecting that right now. And you see, you're right now. You're not saying, I'm here. I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible. I quit drinking for 72 hours, God. I quit using drugs for 13 hours. I quit looking at pornography for 37 minutes. So, where's my favor? We're asking God for Halita. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. God, do me a favor. And that's the mindset we have in church today, as a believer today, as a Christian today. God, I'm doing good. Do me a favor. And you know what that mindset brings about? It brings about this this attitude in the church. Are you ready? This is the attitude. If you want God's favor, then you've got to remember these things. God's good. You're not. You ever been there before? Perhaps you're there right now, and you're thinking, I want God's favor, so i got to try harder. But I want you to know, there's a big difference. Karin is a little bit different. See, we often translate Karin as mercy, which isn't exactly what it means if you translate it that way. We often translate it as, well, well, when we get what we don't deserve, Pastor, Wrong. Wrong. Even though that's not bad, but it's wrong. Say, well, what is it? it it's, it's grace, right? That's how we just put it out there. Grace. What is grace, Pastor Joshua? What is grace? Do you want to know what New Testament grace is? New Testament grace is the empowering, listen to me now, the empowering presence of God to give the believer the ability to do what truth demands. That's grace. That's what real grace is. And when we read here in John chapter 1 and verse 16, Jesus has come in all this fullness we've all received, and He's given us the ability to do God's unmerited favor whenever truth demands it. Not just a favor, but grace. And some of us have been in church praying for years, God, do me a favor. And Jesus said, I came and did you more than a favor. I came and gave you grace. So you can do truth all the time. You don't have to wait for something to happen. You can do truth right now. You can live truth right now. I've come to give you grace. In fact, you read about it in John chapter 10. We said, I've come to give you life. And that more abundantly. So then, what's the big difference? And what's the big deal here? Well, most of us think, well, well, we incorporate the Old Testament into our New Testament worship and we get God's favor. There are times God does us a favor. To be honest with you, God did me a favor when He let me marry Betsy. Amen? Amen indeed. You know, Betsy might be saying, well, God did me a favor when He let me marry you. I say amen to that. <laughs> amen. God knows what's inside of you, though. God knows what's inside all of us. There's a problem inside of us. If you've been there, you know, we're always Testament. Now, this isn't on our slide, so you have to go there. I'm going to step off subject for just a minute. This 
you were to turn in your New Testament to Romans chapter 2, 15, here in verse 15, you would find the Apostle Paul writes something very interesting. I'm going to read it with you here. Romans chapter 2, verse 15. I'll show you something really neat. If you don't know where Romans is, it's right after the book of Acts. Romans chapter 2, and verse 15. Bear with me just a second. Let's read this together. The Bible says, Who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. What does that mean? What is he talking about? Romans chapter 15 says, The law is written on your heart and on your conscience. And remember, God knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in there. If you read Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, you'll find that God says, It repenteth the Lord that he had made mankind for the thoughts of his heart is nothing but evil continually. So read John 2, verses 24 and 25, he said he doesn't need anybody to testify what was in a man, for he knew what was in a man. And remember, what's in you, this deal, he knows you need Carlin, not Carlita. He knows you need more than just a favor. What do you need? Now, here we are in Romans chapter 2, verse 15. He broke the law on our conscience. What does conscience mean? Conscience is a compound word, you know. Con means with, science means knowledge. With, knowledge. Every time you sin, every time you break the law, you do it with the knowledge that it's wrong. And there's no excuse for each and every one of us. It's already there. That's why you can go to an unchurched people group. You can go to an unreached people anywhere in the world, and they will tell you it's wrong to lie. They'll tell you it's wrong to commit adultery. They'll tell you it's wrong to commit murder because God has taken the time to write it on everybody's heart. And you do it when you do sin with the knowledge that's wrong. Remember when you were a kid and you'd lie to mom and you thought, man, you deserve it. Remember the first time you ever stole something? You're going to bring up bad memories here. Your blood pressure would rise, and your body would begin to shake, and then the fear would come, and nobody told you. Don't do that. But your conscience did. And you knew it was wrong, even if you were around a hundred other people who did it every day. You knew it was bad. The Bible tells us you do it with knowledge that it's wrong. All right, then. So with that in mind, you know what's inside of you, and Jesus knows what's inside of you. The problem is that you need so much more than just a favor. The problem is you need something more than just God doing a favor for you. But your entire prayer life has been, God, do a favor for me. And God's got something more for you than just a favor. Are you ready now? God's got something more for you than just a small blessing. God's got something more for you than just I don't know about you, but I'm getting excited this morning. God's got something more for you than just a blessing. God's got life eternal for you. God's got a place in heaven forever. That is so much more than just Carlitos. It's Karen. God's got more than just a favor. He's got life eternal for you. Because why? Of His fullness have we all received and grace instead of grace. 
morning saying, God, do me a favor. God said, you don't need a favor. You need to be born again. You don't need a favor. You need to be redeemed. You don't need a favor. You need to be washed in the blood. You don't need Karen. You need Carlitos. You need everything. Your cross has to offer. Where are you this morning? You've been sitting there saying, God, do me a favor. God said, I did you so much more than a favor. God, help me get through this time. God said, I gave you life eternal. God, help me get through this. God saying, I have given you my only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. I've given you everything you need. Check it out now. Are you ready? Look at me quickly. Because people will often say, Pastor, why didn't God do this earlier? Look at me in Galatians 4 and verse 4. Why did He wait so long to send Jesus? But this has always been the problem. Why did He wait so long? But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that He might receive the adoption as sons. See, the problem is, is you need so much more than just a favor. You need to become one of God's children. The problem is, is you need so much more than just a blessing. You need to become one of God's children. And that's really the problem, isn't it? We either are a child of God or we're a child of the devil. Amen? There is nowhere in between. There is no exception. Either your father is God or your father is Satan. There is no, well, I get to make my own choice. That is a lie of the devil who gladly says, you can believe that all you want to because you're really my child. Think about it for a second. Either you're God's child or you're not God's child. And not being God's child puts you in the other camp. And you can sit there in those pews for years saying, I don't need God, or I just want God's blessing. The truth is, God has done so much more than just bless you. He's given you the fullness of yourself. He's given you the ability to be made again. So why did God wait so long? Well, the Bible tells us this. When the fullness of the time had come, what does that mean? What does that mean? Now, we're not going to go deep down theologically about all of that, but in a nutshell, what it simply means is God waited for the perfect time to send His only begotten Son. I want you to think about how perfect the time was when Jesus came. Now, we get ready to come into our Christmas season, and so we'll be talking a little bit about the advent or the birth of Jesus Christ, about the annunciation of Mary, and about all these wonderful things. But I want you to think about what God did to prepare the world for the coming of His only begotten Son. Number one, He put the world under one government. He did under the Greek government. I want you to know that when the Antichrist comes, he's going to put the world under one government. Because he does everything God tried to do, right? He wants to be like God. The, the world had one monetary unit that was accepted everywhere. The Greek. The Greek money system. They had one government. They had one road. They had one army that was all over the world and everything. They had something called the Pax Romana, which is the Roman peace that the Ephesians had set up there. They had road systems all over the world. They had defeated the pirates out in the Mediterranean Bay. They had defeated most of the highwaymen, and it was relatively safe to do business throughout the Roman or the Greek Empire at that time. So, the world had become one language, the world had become one monetary unit, and the world had become one people under one government. That time, that day, God sent 
born a helpless babe, born under the law. But as he rises up, when he's born, he too has to face the same trials, temptations that you do. Except that he does it without sin. He does it without giving in. He does it without ever once falling short of God's law. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Did you think about what that means? To have that perfect, innocent son nailed to the cross. Incidentally, when he gets to the cross, he says, it is finished. Because you don't need any other grace but the cross. You don't need anything else but Jesus Christ. You don't need anything but God Almighty. And if you'll go back in John chapter 1, you will see, and of the fullness of Himself have we all received. Why? Because all you've ever needed was Jesus. Amen? That's all you're ever going to need is Jesus. So then, God waited so long to send His only begotten Son. The question I have for you is, why did you wait so long Today is your day. Right now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the time. Look at me in John chapter 1 and verse 12. We'll close with that verse as we get ready to partake in the Lord's Supper. Look with me here. Verse 12. But as many as received him, mean Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That problem is that sin inside of us. We want a blessing that kind of band-aids that sin. Jesus said, I've come to do so much more than just cover your sin. I've come to pay for your sin. I've come to make you whole, to make you righteous, to give you a family, to make you a child of God. I'm not just here to do you a favor. I've come to give you life, and that more abundantly. I will make you a king. I will make you a priest. I will make you a witness, an apostle, a minister in the kingdom of God. To those who believe, He gave the power to become the children of God. Amen? Where are you? How long have you been waiting? And you know what's funny? We have the audacity to say, God, why are you waiting so long to bless me? God said, I gave you my only begotten Son. You don't need anything else. You've never needed anything else. There is no problems on this earth that merit anything else because you're going to heaven. Somebody say amen. Nothing else compares. Nothing else matters. Nothing else can ever take that place. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to sit next to him who died for me. I'm going to see his face. And could you imagine what it would be like to behold him that day? He who bled for me. Could you imagine what that would have like? He gave himself for me. He didn't just do me a favor. He gave me a whole new life. Where are you this morning? Have you been sitting in those pews for years saying, God, do me a favor? God said, I don't want to do you just a favor. I want to give you a brand new life. You can be born again. You can be remade. You can be made whole. You can be washed clean. What's your problem this morning? Do you feel dirty? There's a Savior who can wash you clean. Do you feel incomplete? There's a Savior who can make you whole. Do you feel broken? There's a Savior who can do any repair. Do you feel like something's missing? Our God fills every missing piece. 
God, do me a favor. Oh, he did so much more than a favor. He gave you Jesus Christ. The Bible says you can become a child of God. And many have received him. To them he gave the right to become the children of God. Are you ready for something new? I often talk about Israel. And I do not believe in replacement theology. But I want to give you something here. The Bible tells us those that believe he gave the right to become the children of God. Now Israel has two distinct and unique meanings. One of them, and the most uh, primary one, means he who wrestled with God. Remember Jacob wrestled with the angel, and his name gets changed to Israel, meaning he who struggles with God. And that's still going on to this day. But the second meaning of Israel means the sense of the Lord. And I want you to understand the context in John chapter 1 and verse 1. The context is those who believe to receive Jesus have become the right to be a child of God, a son of the King. When you get Jesus in your heart, you have the right to become a son of the King. Isn't that amazing? You don't need any more blessings. You've got everything you ever need. And you say, Pastor, I need money. But let me just tell you right now, the wealth of the wicked is poured up from the white side. Pastor, I need a blessing. you got Jesus Christ. Pastor, I need this. You've got the Holy Spirit. You don't need anything else. So, where have you been all these years? Instead of saying, God, where have you been? Perhaps it's time for you to listen to God saying, where have you been? I have given you my only begotten Son. I've given you the invitation over and over and over and over and over again. And it's coming one more time today. If you'd be willing to put Jesus in your heart, if you'd be willing to repent of your sins and receive Jesus, as the Bible tells us in John chapter 1 and verse 12, would you become a child of God? Perhaps you say, Pastor, I am a Christian. I am born again and blood-bought. But brother, I have put aside my blessings and went after the world. You know what you've become? You've become what we call a carnal Christian. The Bible calls it carnal. That's a Christian who cares more about the flesh than about what Jesus has done for you. In short, that's sin. And it's time for you to come back home. It's time for you to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. And I need to come back home. But perhaps you say, Pastor, I am a Christian. And I'm walking after the Spirit. I need somewhere to worship, and I need somewhere to be a part of. I need a family to be a part of. You know, there is none better than Robert Madden Baptist Church. It's time for you to come and be a part of that. Perhaps you say, Brother Josh, God's calling me to the ministry. God's calling me to preach the gospel. God's calling me to share. Would you come and share that with us this morning? Let's have a word of prayer. If He's spoken to you, would you be willing to come and humble yourself and give your heart to Jesus all before we partake of the Lord's Supper. Father God, we come to you now in Jesus' name. And we want to thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Lord, you get down and touch us right now and take charge. That if there be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, anyone who needs to get their heart out of this, would you let Savior their name? Would let your name be glorified. We give you the praise and honor and glory even now. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Would you come as we sing? Lord, I'm coming home. Come on. Two verses for you. Come on. If you don't come, we're going to stop after two verses. So come on. But now be the time. Go ahead and rise up. Stand up. Give your heart to Jesus today. Come on.
so don't do deacons anymore with COVID, do you? Bibles with you. Turn to Ephesians, first Corinthians, chapter 11. Let's just think a little bit now. Get your heart going. Please be seated. Please be seated. Get your mind going about Jesus and what He did for us. What He's done for us. So take your cup in your hand. Let's read in first Corinthians, chapter 11, and verse 22. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, remove the very top I need a favor right now. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Thank you, kind sir. Amen. Where would I be without Brother Dylan? Amen. Amen. See? God's done more than favors. He gave me Brother John. Amen. Thank you, Brother John. For I received from the Lord, that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat this is my body, which is broken for you. Do remember for me. Let's pray for this. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name that we can take of the Lord's Supper. I pray, Lord, you'd help us all to remember what you did for us on the cross, Lord. How your body, Lord, was tortured for us. I pray, Father God, that we would remember every stripe, Lord, that seals us, that we would remember, Lord, the nails that were driven into your hands and into your feet, that we would remember, Lord God, the sacrifice you gave for us, that wonderful Lamb of God who knew no sin, but he became sin for us, Father God. I pray, Lord, you help us to remember what you did for us. Help us to never to forget it, Lord, as we partake of this bread, Lord. I pray that you would put it on our hearts, put it on our minds, what you did for us at Calvary. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. And thank you, Jesus. In the same manner also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Father, come to me now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the blood, Lord, that was shed for us. 
blood, Lord, that cleanses us. It's the blood, Lord, that makes us right. It's the blood, Lord. But without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And I pray, Father God, you help us to remember what you did for us. As we partake, Lord, of this juice, may we remember what you did for us. May we never forget the awful price you paid for us, Lord, that you came to do so much more than just a favor for us. You gave us life and that more abundantly. We thank you, we praise you, we love you. Yes.